0: Morning, we are continuing in our uh, series entitled "The King is Coming." Everybody, say that out loud with me, would you? The King is coming. Come on, say it again. The King is coming. His name is Jesus, and He is King of all, and He will reveal Himself very, very shortly as the King of Glory and um, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. That's who Jesus is to us. So we have been uh, we've been studying. Um, the second coming, we've been studying a little bit about the rapture. Let me just say to you that the second coming is referred to as the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, 19 times in the New Testament. When you see the words, the day of the Lord, it's a reference to uh, the fact that Jesus will return. He actually taught his disciples that he was coming back some 21 times. His second coming is mentioned one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament. Now, according, uh, due to the fact that the Bible is a legal document, and everything in the, in the Bible is incredibly important, then when you speak, uh, mention something twice in that document, it takes on added importance uh, because of the law of second reference. But when you talk about something once out of every 25 verses in the New Testament alone, I believe the second coming is pretty important, and God wants to talk to us about that. Would you say amen to that? So, so we're, we're looking forward to His coming, and uh, I've taught you already, Uh, on Wednesdays and and Sundays, uh, that there are two stages or two um, parts of the second coming. One is the rapture of the church, and that's the first event that is to come. It is imminent. In other words, there are no um, uh, prophecies that need be fulfilled for the rapture to occur. It is imminent. The rapture will occur? I don't know. No one knows. Jesus said himself, he said, no man knows the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man. He did not even know when the rapture would be. Uh, that's according to the Father, and Father's plans. And so we don't know when it's going to occur, but we know it could occur today, tomorrow. Anytime Jesus is returning for his bride, for his church, and we better get ready. Can you say amen to that? There is a parable in the book of Matthew, the 25th chapter, you may want to take a look at when you get a chance. Ten virgins are mentioned in this parable. Five of those virgins had oil in their lamps, and they went out and waited for the bridegroom and his company to come to pick up the bride. The other five were foolish virgins, and they did not have oil in their lamps. So they fell asleep, and then when they, when they heard the shout in the midnight hour that the bridegroom was coming, they had no oil, and they turned to the other guys and other virgins and said, We need oil. And they said, Sorry, we've only got enough for ourselves. And they were left out of the wedding party. They could not go in because they were not prepared. They were not ready. They're, they're, we used to sing an old song, To Have Your Lamp ready, and you'll you see how it go, Brother Steve, your lamp trimmed and ready, or something like that, to trim the, the wick, you know, of your lamp, and have lots of oil. I believe the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. God's looking for spirit-filled men and women in this last day who are watching for His coming. Get ready, Jesus is coming back very, very soon. So that's the rapture of the church. Then seven years later, there will uh, the second uh, part of this second coming will occur, and it's actually called the second coming or the second advent which simply means coming and uh, when it occurs Jesus will return from heaven with his saints not for his saints to, to catch us up but rather with his saints ten thousands the book of Jude declares of his saints will return with him we will return on white horses we will be wearing white robes uh, garments of of, of, of righteousness that, that are made up of the righteousness and the prayers and the, and the blessing of God I don't know what that robe is all about, what it all looks like. Or it's just an incredible thought. That's what we'll be covered with. I think we'll be covered with what Adam and Eve were covered with originally in the Garden of Eden before they fell. When they fell, they, they were immediately realized they were naked. They became self-conscious, and they didn't have the glory of God around them any longer. But you and I are going to have this Shekinah of God in those robes. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be incredible. I'm, I'm working on a message right now. Uh, talking about the Shekinah, the glory of God, and how often it's mentioned through the Bible. And it's incredible when you start to th- study that out and think about that. And, and uh, that, for instance, when, when, the, uh, when the second uh, coming uh, comes, and uh, that'll be seven years after the rapture of the church, so the church is gone, the tribulation takes place, and the Bible declares that in the last three and a half years of that tribulation, I'll talk more about it in a minute, in the last three and a half years of that tribulation, the stars will fall from the sky, The moon and the sun will no longer give light. The planet will be plunged into utter darkness, as dark as you can possibly imagine. There will not be any electricity. There will not be any coal-generated or or oil-generated lighting. There will not be any light from the moon or the stars or the sun. And, And so the earth will be plunged into darkness. And in that moment, The Lord Jesus will appear and his Shekinah, whoa, the glory of God is gonna light up the heavens and it's gonna light up the planet. And from that moment on, we'll not need a lamp, we'll not need a moon, we'll not need a sun for the Lamb of God is the light in the glorious city in which you and I are to live. I'm telling you, he's full of brightness and light and glory. There's no shadow in him, there's no darkness in him, there's no pain in him, I'm telling you, he's not a God who hurts you and and doesn't love you and doesn't care for you. He's not a God who abandons you and rejects you. you. you may have been abandoned rejected by human beings, but you've got a father in heaven who will never leave you and never forsake you. He's an awesome God, and he cares for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this rapture of the church is the next event uh, on, God's, uh, on God's timetable, uh, an exciting event, perhaps the most interesting event awaiting the church. Teaching my grandson how to say, ah, whatever, he finishes drinking something. So you saw him a moment ago, little, little Alex, and uh, when, I, when he, I'll give him something to drink and he'll finish, and I'll go, ah, he'll go, ah. He's not going to pick anything else up in his whole life, Daniel. He got that from me. Hallelujah. <laughs> the rapture of the church, let's talk about it for a moment. The word rapture is not in the King James Bible or revised version of the Bible, but it is found in the Latin. Version and several other version, versions of the Bible. Um, the word <coughs> rapture comes from the word used in the Latin version of 1 Thessalonians 4.17. It's translating a Greek word into Latin, okay? And it means to catch or snatch away. So to rapture something means to catch or snatch away. This great event could take place, as I said, at any moment, at any moment. <clears throat> so go with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians Uh, Chapter 4, verse 17, is that where we are? All right, so verse 16 says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, or then, after that's occurred, we who are still alive, verse 17 on the screen, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, raptured, Together with them, who's the them? The them in this passage is the is the righteous dead. All right, who are mentioned in verse sixteen? Then we, if we're still alive at this moment, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Where's Jesus? He's in the clouds, and we will meet the Lord where in the air. He's not coming to the planet at the moment of the rapture. You can't put that in. You can't find that in scripture anywhere. This is an event we need to understand and not confuse with his second advent, which happens seven years later, all right? And so he comes for us, the shout occurs, the the trumpet sounds, our bodies lose, uh, our bodies lose their mortality, they lose their ability to perish and be corruptible, the incorruptible puts on, the corruptible puts on incorruption, the mortal puts on immortality, Mm -mm mm-mm-mm. I don't know if there's any superhero fans out there or not. Y'all like to watch those movies about, about heroes that are immortal. they immortal. They live forever. The immortal. Guess what? You're going to be an immortal. You're going to be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. The last trump. The trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. We're going to be changed and we're going to go. And, and, and this earth is going to lose its gravitational pull on you and I. These glorified bodies that are like the Lord's body. You say, how do you know we're going to be like the Lord's body? Well, John said in first in, in the letter of 1 John, he said, beloved, chapter 3, I think, he said, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. In other words, I don't have all the answers and all the details have not been laid out for me, but here's what I do know is that when he appears, we shall be like him. In his glorified state. The planet will lose its gravitational pull. I, I know back in, back in the, I don't know, years ago, we used to practice a rapture drill. We used to do this with young people. We practiced rapture. What's a rapture drill? That's to make it, well, here it is. It's. I'm, getting, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord, if you want to catch me anytime. I'm ready. We're, that's a rapture. We're preparing. Well, that's all fun and, and games, but let me tell you, your heart needs to be prepared. Thank you for that incredible uh, enthusiasm. I said, your heart needs to be prepared. We need to guard our heart, protect our heart. Watch what enters our heart. Watch what comes out of our heart. See, what comes out of your mouth, that's what's in your heart. I can tell what's in your heart. I listen to you speaking. Oh, my. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's some things, you know, there's some things in my life I need to take care of before I'm ready for the Lord Jesus. And I know there's some things in your life that need to be taken care of as well. Because listen, he's coming for his church and his his rewards are with him. We will not only see him in the air, we will not only join him in the air, we will have our rewards handed out to us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This incredible feast that will take some, I don't know how much of the seven years we're up there, but it's just going to be this incredible time of fellowship and feasting with other believers. We're going to get to see Old Testament patriarchs. We're going to get to talk to them. We're going to get to talk to the New Testament saints. We'll see our loved ones again. Um, someone said, what age are we going to be in heaven, Pastor? Well, I don't know. I'm really not sure because some people go to heaven when they're babies. Some people go to heaven when they're elderly. So what what age are we going to be? Are gonna He's going to change us. What's he going to change us to? And the only thing I can really come up with is that the Lord Jesus... When he died, was buried, rose again, ascended to the Father's right hand, was thirty-three years old. Evidently, that was the age that the Father saw fit to bring his life and ministry to an end. At age thirty, Jesus uh, launched out from his mother's house, and the um, the, um, w- the the woodworking, probably wasn't woodworking, probably more like masonry, the carpentry business that his forefather Joseph had taught him, I'm sure because he was the firstborn. And he had a responsibility as the firstborn to take care of his mother until he was 30 years of age, which tells me again that she was probably widowed. Joseph was a bit older than Mary. She was just a teenager. You remember when she conceived the Christ child. And so it's possible then that in those 18 years between uh, Christ at twelve and Christ at thirty—that Joseph was off the scene. He perhaps was dead and gone. I—I I don't know for a fact, but—but but we don't hear anything else about him from from that point on. So Jesus would have stayed with his mother till age thirty. Then at age thirty, every rabbi, every teacher in the Jewish tradition would would launch out at age thirty, and they would begin to call disciples to them. They would call for about twelve. Followers, And they would teach those 12 and they would reproduce themselves in the lives of those 12 followers, those disciples, those apprentices, which is probably the the proper term for what we are. We are an apprentice uh, of Jesus and we follow Jesus. And so he began his ministry at 30, but he was only on the earth for three years after that. And at 33, his life ended, his physical life ended. His body died. It, it was really dead. They took him off the cross. He was dead. You, you did not come off the cross unless you were dead. No one came off the cross alive. Never. It was an instrument of not only of torture, but an instrument of death. So he died. They took his body off, off the, the cross. He was very, very dead. But he, when he rose from the dead, he was in a glorified state. His body was now the kind of body that could walk through walls and, and walk on water and do all kinds of marvelous things. In his glorified state, body, and it was 33, so if you're asking me what age are we, when we get to heaven, like somebody looks at us, and what are we going to look like, I don't know, I don't even know, I don't even know that we're going to be in a, what kind of body we're going to be in, I don't know if we're going to, you know, are we going to be able to recognize people, will we know as we are known, some people say yes, will we recognize folks, some people say yes, we will, well how old are we going to be when they look at us, possibly 33, I'll just throw that out there for speculation and conjecture. I, that's not a doctrine. I don't claim that's the, that's the answer from God, but it sounds pretty good to me. And I remember at 33, I didn't have these aches and pains I've got at 63. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see when we get there. But the, the fact is the rapture is going to happen. And, and Jesus uh, spoke about the rapture. The early church fathers spoke about the rapture. The writers of the New Testament all strongly believed in this truth. Now, I don't know, um, I don't remember what scriptures I've got uh, for you, so let me just kind of, well, let me see if I can find them here. Um, What what we will do is we will go through some scriptures I have written down here. Some of them may be on the screen for you, some of them may not. Some of them may be in your uh, version app, uh, and some may not. If they're not, just write them down, and then take a moment... Um, later on today, and research them for yourself. Would you do that? <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so, 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Can we look at that? Do we, do we have that scripture? <clears throat> or did we already look at it? Here it is. Listen, behold, pay attention. Put your cell phone down. Listen to me. <laughs> Oh, your parents have to do that sometimes. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Here's the mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, this translation says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Keep reading with me, please. Is that all we have, 51, 52? That's it? Okay. All right. We shall be changed. Everybody say, we shall be changed. The next verse tells us that the mortal is going to become immortal, the perishable is going to become imperishable, and so forth. Now, um, our rewards will, will will be presented to us. They will come for us with the Lord Jesus when He comes. Our rewards will come with Him. Matthew chapter 18, verse 27 talks to us about those rewards Matthew 18:27 our next scripture for you For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels And then he will reward each person according to what they have done 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8 1 Corinthians 3 and 8 The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded. Everyone say rewarded. Rewarded according to their own labor. Wow. So everything you've ever planted in someone's life, every smile, every tear in prayer, every word of encouragement, every time that you prayed for someone, every time you share the word with them, you will be rewarded according to your labor. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. Do you know this this is the last words that we have in the New Testament recorded that Jesus spoke? I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I'll give to each person according to what they've done. I will not receive a reward according to what you've done, You'll not be recorded according to what I've done. You will not be rewarded by what someone else has done. But we shall be rewarded according to what we have done. Now, if you go on into 1 Corinthians 3, we won't today for the sake of time, but it's a a really interesting study because in that we see a a time where our works are tried by fire. And this is at the, the bema seat of Christ. The Bema seat was a uh, uh, was a raised platform uh, above the floor and um, a judge would sit on the, the Bema seat. It'd sit on that platform. There would be a seat for him. He would sit and he would hear all of the cases that came before him. he would judge from the Bema seat and Jesus will judge our works by, from the Bema seat. Now, now he won't judge us our, uh, our salvation. If you're a child of God, then then this is not a uh, this is not a uh, looking into your salvation to determine if you're going to go to heaven or hell. This is a trial by fire of your works. So some works will be uh, they'll be as gold, silver, and precious stones, and they will survive. Other works, however, will be as wood, hay, and stubble. They'll be consumed and burned up by the fire. If my works are have the wrong motivation, if I've done things just to be seen of men, if I've done things just to get the applause of people, if I've done things just because it makes me look good, then that reward I have on the, on, here on earth is all I'm going to have. My reward in heaven will be burned up, according to the scripture. So at this bema seat, he will judge, and he will um, uh, he'll he'll determine who gets rewards at the bema seat. Then there's another. Um, there's another judgment called the great white throne judgment. This will take place at the end of the thousand years of peace. And uh, this one will determine uh, the sheep nations and the goat nations. It'll determine whether people who have been, who've in, who've come through the tribulation, come through the thousand years, this will be a judgment of their salvation. You'll either go to heaven with God or you'll, go, you'll be eternally separated from him in the lake of fire. So those are the two judgments. Neither one of those judgments is for us. Uh, well, the first one is for our works. So there are no believers, excuse me, no unbelievers at the Bema Seat Judgment, first judgment. No unbelievers, just us. <clears throat> the second judgment, the great white throne judgment, there will not be any believers, just unbelievers, just unsaved, and so forth and so on. All right, <clears throat> I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. <clears throat> The so rewards are mentioned then, Matthew 16, 1 Corinthians 3, Revelation 22. Then let's talk about the great tribulation. <clears throat> the tribulation begins after the rapture of the church. Uh, I believe it will begin immediately after. In fact, some of it may begin before we get to the rapture. And we're certainly seeing tribulation around the earth now. We're seeing uh, persecution of Christians and churches and um, incredible... Persecution, but it's not as as horrific as it's going to be in what's called the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is also called um, Jacob's Trouble. All right, Jacob's Trouble, and the reason it's called Jacob's Trouble is because Jacob is Israel. So this is Israel's trouble, Israel's tribulation. <clears throat> this seven years of destruction, death, annihilation is a judgment from God. When the vials are opened, it will be God's judgment. When the trumpets are sounded, it will be God's judgment upon the Jewish people who have rejected him and the Gentiles who have rejected him. This will all take place during this seven-year period. So here we've had 2,000 years of, of um, the blessings, the grace of God, the ability to hear sermons like you're hearing this morning, uh, the freedom to come and go to church and Read the Bible and study and pray and grow as a Christian. 2,000 years of grace. But it's going to come to an end. This dispensation will end with the second coming of Christ, the second advent. When that occurs, the seven years of tribulation, excuse, excuse me, it ends with the rapture of the church. Then, when the rapture of the church occurs, it begins a seven year period or, or a seven year dispensation called the, the Great Tribulation. All right? It's called Great Tribulation, not because it's wonderful but just because of its, its massive uh, size and, and scope and what all is involved in the Great Tribulation. My estimations, there will be <clears throat> somewhere between four and five billion people left on the planet after the rapture. There's somewhere between six and seven billion now on the planet, maybe as much as eight. It's really kind of hard to, to, to measure all of that. Let's say there's eight billion on the planet right now. Out of that eight billion, they estimate that about two billion, a fourth, are actually born again. I don't mean church attenders. I'm not talking about people who have their name written in a in a a church record somewhere. I'm talking about born again believers. How many born again believers do I have in this room? Are there a few? Is anybody there? Yeah, there you are. Get my hand up, Lord. There's my hand. I don't want to be left. I don't want to be left. <clears throat> and so if there are 2 billion who will go, then that leaves, if we're, going, if we're estimating 8 billion, that leaves 6 billion on the planet. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of folks to live here in total lawlessness with the absence of the church, the salt of the earth. With the absence of the church, the light of the world. There will be no revelation of the Scripture to them, Brother Steve. I don't believe. Some have said, "Well, you think the Holy Spirit's gone because He's the one who's restraining and holding back the power of the Antichrist and holding back the spirit of lawlessness." Think it's the Holy Spirit because it's called a He. Either the Holy Spirit or the Church—we're usually called a She because we're the Bride, Her. Either the Church or the Holy Spirit. I know the Church is going. Is the Holy Spirit staying behind? Is that that how people are convicted during the Great Tribulation and come to know Christ? Because people will be born again during that seven-year period, no doubt about it. Will the Holy Spirit still be here? That's that's an interesting question. And my answer is, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. I used to think think he would go uh, with us and that there would be no Holy Spirit on the planet with six billion people. You want to talk about lawless. You want to talk about no restrictions. Has anyone been watching these riots in major cities in our country? Those are like Boy Scouts on a picnic compared to what the Great Tribulation will be like. There will be no restrictions. There will be no law. Old man's law will still be in effect. But listen, when you take a fourth of the population out You've taken out judges. You've taken out um, police officers. You've taken out healthcare workers. You've taken out uh, politicians. You've taken out—I mean, all sorts of people who run out, who run the whole gamut of society. We are the church, and we are out of here. It's not been appointed unto us to go through the wrath of God. <clears throat> we'll talk about that in just a moment. I think, hopefully, we will. But the great tribulation begins at the rapture of the church, and if you look at the first. Uh, Three chapters of the book of Revelation, the word church is mentioned 19 times. It occurs 19 times in three chapters. Okay? So the word church is not used again until Revelation 22 and 16. So I believe that the judgments and the punishments in chapters 4 through 19, in other words, the Great Tribulation, are not for... The church, but they are for a world that has rejected Christ, that has rebelled against God, and the absence of the church in these chapters is significant. All right, let me break it down for you. You take the book of Revelation 22 chapters, chapter 1, 2, and 3, there are 19 references to the church. The church, the church, the church. Then in Revelation 4 1, uh, when John says, I saw heaven open, I saw a door open to heaven, and there was a great voice. And the voice shouted, come up higher, or come up hither, King James, come up here, come, come this way, let's go, come on, let's go, let's go home. And so when that occurred in chapter four, verse one, you don't see, um, you don't see the church mentioned anywhere until the final chapter again. So God is dealing in mercy toward his church in the first three chapters until the f- first verse of chapter four, which I believe is, is the rapture. When, when the voice calls us up higher, and um, John said, the call came from me, and from that point on, you don't see the church. So I think, I think that was the rapture, and then God deals not in mercy, but he deals in judgment with Israel, the Jews, he deals in judgment with the rest of the world until the second advent of Christ will occur. Jeremiah calls this time of, of a a time of Jacob's trouble, or Israel's trouble, when he calls it Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse uh, 7, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. The word for trouble actually means adversity, affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation. There's a time of tribulation, and and, and the, the prophet Jeremiah called it Jacob's trouble. This, this persecution has come, this tribulation has come because Jacob, or Israel, has refused to receive their Messiah. They refused. He came into his own, but his own received him not. You remember? His own said, crucify him. His own said, give us Barabbas. His own said, you're not the son of God, you're just a liar, you're just a, an imposter. They said, do away with him. Pilate said, his blood's going to be on your hands. They said, let his blood be on our hands. That's what the Jewish people said. They rejected their Messiah, the one who had come, first of all to them, because of their rejection, this tribulation, this time of tribulation will befall their ancestors, the Jewish people. So we believe a rapture of the church occurs at the beginning of chapter 4. Um I looked, and behold, the door was open. And the first voice which I heard was as the sound of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, "Come up hither. I will show thee things which must be hereafter." Okay, so if you if you notice in uh, if you're reading in the Book of Revelation, which needs to be tempered with a good knowledge of the Book of Daniel, um, if you'll read in, in Revelation, you'll notice there is a change in God's attitude toward humanity, from that of mercy in the first three ver- chapters to that of judgment in the f- in the following chapters. So we can easily see that God is dealing in mercy toward the church, uh, but then he deals in judgment with Israel and the rest of the world until the second advent of Christ. Revelation 6 and 17 says, for that great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? We conclude then that God is not interested in showing his wrath to his church, which is bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Listen, He's made us. He's looking for us to be ready without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. For we are members of his body, Ephesians 5 says. We're members of his flesh, we're members of his bone. So I don't believe that, 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 that God intends to make us go through this wrath, this time of tribulation. <clears throat> In fact, <clears throat> the hope of the church is to be raptured before this great and terrible day comes. Can you say amen? The hope of the church. You know, I mentioned last week, people need hope. People need hope. And church, the reason I'm sharing this this study for these weeks with our folks online, folks here in the house, is because we need hope. We need to know what's happening, what's going to happen in the future. You know, is everything falling apart? No, I don't believe anything's falling apart. I believe everything's falling in place. (laughs) I believe God is ordering and structuring and willing his purpose and his future. And you and I are part of it. Hallelujah. Is that exciting or what? We've not been appointed unto wrath. We've not been appointed unto tribulation. God, the hope of the church. In fact, Titus 2 and 13 says this is the hope of the church. Waiting for the glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everybody say hope. hope. The hope of the church. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> hope of the church. Um, so let's take a look at... oh goodness sakes. Um, let's take a look at chapter, Luke chapter 21 and um, about verse 36, please, Luke 1 and 36. <clears throat> be always on the watch. Be ready always. Be ready always. How often should we be ready? huh when we when it feel when we feel like it <laughs> when someone reminds us to no we should be ready always and uh, for what purpose should we be ready always well that's because he's coming again let me read this verse to you here My iPad is not is being disobedient y'all pray for the iPad will you I'm just joking Luke 21 and verse 36. Be ready always, be on the watch, and pray that you may be able to escape. Everyone say escape. All that is about to happen. You know, you Christians, y'all just believe in a rapture because you just want to escape. You just just want some way of escaping this old world, don't you? Uh, Yeah. Hello? Listen, this world is not my home. I am an alien on this planet. Yes, I am an alien. I'm a legal alien, but I'm an alien. I'm just passing through. Some of y'all said, that explains a lot about the pastor. He's an alien. Wonder what planet he came from. Well, we're, we're all, this, is, this earth is not our home. We're here temporarily, okay? This earth and our role in this earth is to make preparation for the life that is to come. This is like a prep school for what's coming ahead. Can you say amen to that? Listen, this is not what it's all about. It's not about how much money you can make and how you can accumulate and how big you can be and how wonderful your life is and, and your best life now. No, it's not about your best life now. Listen, if this is the best life now, we're in trouble. If this is as good as it gets. I remember a beer commercial years ago. Guys sit around a campfire and they got a can of beer and they're, they're, they're out hunting or something. I don't know. And one of them says, It's as good as it gets. I'm like, really? That's it? (laughs) I'm glad I know that this is not as good as it gets. This is not my best life ever. My best life is to be with the Lord Jesus when he comes in the clouds of glory. And he's going to catch us away and it is going to be a time of escape. Be ready always and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen. Why would you want to go through that? Why would you wish that? Why why, why would you even believe that you're going to go through the tribulation as a child of God? I believe the scripture is very plain. That you may be able to stand before the Son of God. Escape all that's about to happen and stand before the Son of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 is a beautiful verse that teaches that God did not appoint you or me to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not appointed unto us to go through wrath. Tribulation. Listen, there's enough tribulation where I'm at now. There's enough, there's enough pain I have to go through now. I don't want to go through more pain. I'm waiting for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes in the clouds of glory. I am ready for him to come. This old earth has nothing for me. It has no hold on me. I'm ready to go. When he's ready to come, I'm ready to go. Praise God. Somebody said, "Preacher, are you getting to load up today?" No, I'm not getting to load up now. Not now. There's still plenty to do. But in His time, when He's ready. See that? That's how I feel about death. I don't fear death. As a Christian, we shouldn't fear death. I said, "Well, it's easy for you to say. You're healthy, standing upright. What if? What if you were on your deathbed? What if you had an incurable disease? Would you fear death then?" I really believe. I really think that I would not fear death. I believe my faith in God is strong enough that I don't fear death. Listen, I, I'm ready to die. I'm ready, and you're not ready to live till you're ready to die. When you realize you can, you're, you're you're ready for eternity. Then you can enjoy life. And You don't have to fear. See, fear has torment, man. Fear is not of God. It's a spirit, the spirit of fear. God didn't give us that spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. It says fear has torment, so we need to cast fear out. We need to be on our guard. We need to be watching always. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 talks about the hope of the church to be raptured before the great tribulation. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm going to keep you from it. I'm going to keep you from it because you're keeping my command. You're keeping my command to endure patiently. I know some Christians that have given up in patience. They just, you know, I've served the Lord for all these years and I just don't see where it's getting me anything. I don't see where it's helped me any. I, I just, I'm just, i just going to turn turn away. I'm just going to go this way. Listen, friend, we're not in this for what we can get out of it. We don't serve the Lord for all the goodies and all the blessings and all the fun and all the goosebumps running up down our spine. and and That's not why we serve the Lord. We serve him because he's faithful and because he first loved us. And if I didn't have a home in heaven, I would still serve him. If I didn't have peace and and joy and the blessings that he brings in my life, I would still serve him. Would you serve him this morning? I believe you would. I believe that you would. And so so he says, since you've kept my commands to endure patiently, you see, there are blessings and rewards given to overcomers. Overcomers. Overcomers are men and women who endure patiently. They don't give up when things get tough. They endure. and God says, I'm going to keep you. You've kept my command. I'm going to keep you from the hour that is going to come to the whole world. And it's called the rapture. I'm going to get you out of here. It is your blessed hope. It is your escape. So, so Daniel foretells a time when the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel for seven years. Let's, let's fast forward uh, from, the, from the rapture of the church. Let's go real quickly and give you some facts um, of the Great Tribulation. I'm reading from my dad's book. It's called Basic Bible Doctrines by Dr. John Keith. And if you do not have a copy of this book, I will gladly get you a copy of this book. You let me know. Uh, pardon? There's some in the lobby. How many of you think are out there? Two, or three? Just a, okay. There are two or three in the lobby. You can grab one today, or if or let me know. Just email me or text me or something. I'll get you a copy of this for free. All right. But I'm reading now. Um, let's see. Here we go. <laughs> Facts concerning the great tribulation. Um, At the time of the Great Tribulation, it's it's very difficult to place the Great Tribulation in a time frame. Most Bible scholars believe this period covers seven years. So to understand the events in the book of Revelation, we must also have an understanding of the book of Daniel. Daniel foretells the time when the Antichrist will make a covenant with Israel. Isn't that amazing? Daniel lived centuries before, millennia before. Today, today, in, in the past. And so he makes this prediction that the Antichrist will make a covenant or a treaty with Israel, a peace treaty with Israel for a seven-year period. In the middle of the seven years, he breaks the covenant and great calamity and desolation befall Israel and the rest of the world. We read in uh, Daniel 9, uh, 24. Let's go there if we can. Daniel 9, 24, uh, verse, verse 24 through 27. 77s or 70 weeks, weeks of years, okay? Now, when he's talking about weeks, a week is actually seven years. And so he's talking about 70 times seven, which will be 490 years. 490 years are decreed for for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and I'm reading off the screen, and two. And to know and understand this, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt, next verse, after the 62 sevens, and the anointed one will put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come, uh, will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue, and I'm, I'm reading now from this, from this uh, text. War will continue, and he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven or seven day seven years. In the middle of the seven, he will he will put an end to the sacrifice and the offering, and at the temple will set up an an abomination that causes desolation until the end. Okay. All right. Y'all let me know now where we're at, okay? Because I'm trusting you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Read that when you get some time. Here's what's being said. Let me just give it to you real quickly. In the middle of the seven years that that the Antichrist makes a treaty with Israel, he will break the treaty and uh, great calamity and desolation will befall Israel. So uh, there are 25 titles for the Antichrist. He's called... Son of Perdition, he's called the lawless one. 25 titles for him. Hitler uh, killed at least 6 million Jews. God's people. Stalin killed more than that in, um, in his, the, the revolution that brought communism into Russia. He killed more than that. Mao Zedong uh, killed probably that many people or more in China. But he imposed uh, his, his rule there. And these men, as horrible as they are, together they are not, um, they're, they're not as evil as this man we know of as the Antichrist. He wants to gain control of the world. He wants to bring all mankind under his dominion. I believe he will come from the European Union. There are uh, currently 20-something nations in the European Union. He will take leadership over three nations. We know that we read in the book of Revelation about three horns of being being nations that he will take control of. And then he will institute a mark that every human on the planet will have to take in order to buy or to sell. It'll be a license to live. It'll be a license to function. You will not be able to eat or feed your children without the mark, as long as you're on this planet. And the way you qualify to eat, the way you qualify to buy, the way you qualify to sell, the way you qualify to hold a job, the way you qualify to even be involved in any kind of business of your own, the way you qualify is to worship the beast, the Antichrist. And the sign that you're worshiping him, the sign that you pay allegiance to him, and, and, uh, and so forth, and loyalty to him is to take this mark. It's spoken of in the book of Revelation, the mark <coughs> uh, of the beast uh, is, a, is a sign, and it's, it's a mark on the right hand, taken on the right hand, or in the forehead. Some folks will want the mark in the forehead. Others don't want want it to uh, mess with their cosmetic cosmetic appearance, so they'll put it in their hand. I believe that mark has already been uh, produced, manufactured by the millions. I believe it's already been tested. It's already been tried. I believe that mark is a chip that is read by computers, and it can be placed under the skin of an individual with a hypodermic needle. You take a needle that has the chip in it and you inject it to a person's right hand or to the forehead. It's really, it's, it's virtually invisible. I mean, it may look, leave a scar or something, I don't know. But when you have that, that RFID, that radio frequency um, identification, that radio frequency, I believe that's why it's, why it's RFID, am I right? And so when that's placed in your body, then you don't have to have any cash. We now go to a cashless society. Right around the time that the chip is introduced worldwide and and so forth, we'll have no no cash. And so you'll not need credit cards. You'll not need debit cards. You'll not need checks. You'll not need cash. You'll have all of your information in that little chip. My bank account, how much money I have in the bank, So when I buy groceries or or I go to buy something at the store, I simply scan my hand, which that's being done today. There are people now who already have a chip, and they scan the chip when they go shopping, when they go to the movies, when they buy some product, uh, hair care products, or when they pay their optometrist, or uh, when they buy gasoline. And not everything's set up for the chip yet, but it will be. It will be. It's just a matter of time. And so what will happen is... The Antichrist will be able to control the money of the world because he's got everything right there in your hand. All he has to do is round people up and not give them an opportunity to spend their money. And I don't know what all what all he's going to do with those chips. My mind can't I can't wrap my mind around all of that just yet. But I do know that'll be a mark, and it's called the mark of the beast. He has a name, he's the Antichrist, the beast. He has a mark, and he has a number. How many of you know what his number is? His number is 666. All right, so the number of the man is 666. Oh, boy, I tell you what, there's been so much speculation through the years. People tried to make 666 out of Kissinger. There it is, I see it, right there it is. They tried, can you believe this? They tried Ronald Reagan. Somebody thought maybe he was the Antichrist. I've heard that Hitler, his name comes out to 666. If you do it in a certain way and you, you form it just like this and, and so forth, it'll come 666, he's the Antichrist. Well, the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world for as, for as long as there's been people. Okay, Satan is the ultimate Antichrist because he is opposed to Christ. The word anti means opposed to or in the place of. So the Antichrist will come and he will be opposed anything christian anything biblical anything of god he'll be opposed to it he already is opposed to it, because i believe he's already living somewhere in the earth and he'll also come and take the place of christ satan has longed for the worship of mankind ever since he was kicked out of heaven he's tried to get us to worship him and he's been very successful with many many people on the planet They worship anything the devil brings them. And he's content for you to worship anything just so you don't worship the true and living God, just so you don't call on the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You can worship just about anything. In fact, he'll let you feel real religious. He'll let you worship some some demon entity, some false god that really has demonic power behind it. He'll let you worship that. He's influenced millions and millions of people to do that. In fact, there's one billion people on the planet right now who worship a false god. Their leader, uh, in the Middle East, He, when he felt called, he had a, a snake appear to him. And uh, the snake appeared to him in a dream or vision. Told him he was going to be the leader and the ruler and he should take charge and take control. So he grabs his sword and he just starts killing people. Your guard, you're going to listen to me. You're going to submit to me. You're going to be my disciple. You're going to follow me. So he starts killing people and he gets these other guys following him and they start killing people. And that's the way they started the religion. Cut people's heads off. Do you follow my religion? Yes or no? No? <laughs> off of <with> your heads. <laughs> and then he found this. There are over 360 gods um, that uh, these Middle Easterners uh, worship. And so he went in there and selected one of these gods. And he said, meanie, I don't know how he selected, but he liked Allah. Now you know who I'm talking about, don't you? So he said, Allah. Ladies and gentlemen, there is one God. Jehovah Elohim, the eternal, the eternal creator of the heavens and the earth. There is one God. There are not two gods or three gods or half a dozen gods or 360 gods. There is one God. Hindus will tell you that there's millions of gods. When you come and tell them about Jesus, they're like, great, we'll add him to our, our, our list of gods. We'll make an idol of him and put him up here with the other million and a half that I worship. There's only one. And I'll tell you, he's a jealous God. his his commandments to us through Moses, thou shalt have no other gods before thee. None. No other gods. So here you have a billion people on the planet, and they're following a false god, a demon entity. They're following a false religion. And so Satan, it doesn't matter to the devil what you worship or who you worship, just so you don't worship God. And he ultimately wants the worship of mankind. So he empowers the Antichrist, the Antichrist breaks his peace treaty with with Israel, and I believe that that moment. I believe at that moment he becomes so totally possessed of demon powers. I don't know how bad he was before, but he's he is totally possessed with demonic power, and he hates people. He hates everyone. There's no love there. There's no concern there. He's not the the glowing uh, wonder child of politics and religion and money and all these things. He had all the he had all the answers before when the earth was in was Earth was in Incredible chaos. I mean, after the rapture of the church, we're looking for anybody to lead us. Anybody. Who's got the answers? He steps up with the answers, and people follow him. But now, after that three-and-a-half-year period, three half period, halfway into the Great Tribulation, he breaks the covenant. He breaks the treaty with Israel. Israel has been living in peace and safety because of this treaty. This treaty that he made with them and the Arabs around them, it was basically that the Arabs wouldn't attack them anymore and that they could live in peace and that you're you're okay and everything's cool with you Jews and Israel. It's all good. It's all good. So for three and a half years, they live in peace and safety. They let down their guards. They take down their walls and their fences. They put their, their guns on the shelf. They're living in peace and living in safety. And then when he breaks this covenant, I'm telling you what, all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. He then goes into the temple. Now, this is the third temple. <clears throat> we have this, the second temple uh, Solomon built. We have, um, um, I'm sorry, the first temple was Solomon's third temple. The second temple, we have walls. We have one wall that remains. And that one wall is what we know of as the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall. In Jerusalem, I'm sure you've seen pictures. Some of you all maybe have been there. You've seen videos where the Jews go to the wailing wall and they, they pray. They cry out to God. They, they pray that the Messiah would come. Oh, God, send the Messiah. God, send the Messiah. God, send the Messiah. They missed it. You missed it. It was 2,000 years ago. He sent the Messiah. You missed it. But there's one wall left. But but what my point is this. There will be a third temple built, the Jewish temple. It will be built on... Um, On the Temple Mount, and on the Temple Mount currently, there is a beautiful golden dome. You see it? When you see pictures of Jerusalem, it's the first thing you see. It catches your eye. It's a golden dome. Don't be fooled by the beauty of the golden dome. That's a mosque. That's where people worship Allah and worship Muhammad. Supposedly, there's a stone there. Supposedly, that's the rock. It's called the Dome of the Rock. And supposedly, that rock is the rock that Muhammad ascended off of when he went to heaven. So it's called the Dome of the Rock. And um, one billion Muslims worldwide consider that their holiest place. One of the holy places is Medina where Muhammad was born. Uh, And then there's a second holy place. I I guess Jerusalem and the temple, the the mosque of, of the rock, the Dome of the Rock is number one. In fact, Muslim pilgrims from all over the world. They travel there to that mosque to worship uh, at all times, all year long. They're coming in and out. <laughs> Here's the problem. That thing needs to be moved so that the temple can be built. The Jews are ready to build the temple. They've got plans. They've got uh, they've got everything in order. They've got all the materials bought and purchased ready to go. Warehoused. They've got all of the instruments, all of the things the the, the, the golden la- the, the, the laver and, and the golden candlestick and and all of the, all the things that are necessary. They've been raising red heifers for a long time so they can take the ashes of a red heifer. They're ready. The Jews are ready to build their temple. All they need is for that temple mount to be cleared away. All they need is an earthquake to destroy the dome of the rock or something like that. Uh, all they need is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. What's going to happen, Pastor? How are they going to get it up? I don't know how it's going to get there. I even heard recently that the original dimensions for the the temple, Brother Steve, you'll appreciate this, they actually say you can build the temple and never disturb the dome. See, they thought all all these years that you had the domes right in the way. Well, it's not exactly in the way. You can build it over here and still have room and we can coexist. That may be how that happens. I don't know. But I do know this. The Antichrist, the one who's against Christ, uh, who's so empowered by Satan at the three and a half year mark of the tribulation, will go into the temple and he will desecrate the temple. Um, he will set up a, an, all, a, 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 an image to be worshipped and um, he will demand worship of every person left on the planet. You've got to worship the image of the beast. You've got to worship me. And so that's where you get the mark of the beast. You've got the worship in the temple. Um, Without the mark, you're going to starve. Without the mark, you can't buy, you can't sell. Um, by the way, the, the little chip, I understand the RFID chip that they're now putting in, in people, not only has your bank account information, has your, has your health uh, records in there, your medical records in there, your address, your phone number, cell number, social security number, <laughs> email address, everything, all that you are, everything that you are, boop, right there. And it, here's how it will be sold. Here's how we will convince people. Oh my! You need one of these chips because if you've, have you ever lost your purse? You ever had anybody steal your identity? Have you ever had anybody take checks out of your house or something? You ever lost? Have you ever lost money? I mean, just lost money. Guess what? You won't even need to carry money anymore. I won't. No. And 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 by the way, when you have a, you're in a car wreck or you pass out on the street or something, and people come to you, and they're trying to help you. Um, all they have to do is get a little portable scanner and find out you're diabetic and you you have health you have heart problems that we can find out all about your health. If you're in a car wreck or something and, and guess what? You chip your children that little child you'll never be able to lose him again. You'll know exactly where he is. You can pull him up on your cell phone. We'll, we'll, we'll fix it so that we'll fix it so you can pull it up on your cell phone. Sarah you can see that Caitlin is at school you can see that Ryan's at school you can see that Mark's over there at his grandma's. You can tell all that. From the chips, Let's see. Folks, listen, it's on its way. It's coming. Here it comes. We're closer than we've ever been. When I was a kid growing up in church. I thought, how in the world is this mark of the beast going to work? Can't buy, can't sell. I don't understand. How does that, how's that work? Who's, who's dumb enough to take that mark? You know, Who's going to put a 666 on the forehead? You know, Charles Manson's the only one I know they' there doing anything like that. That's stupid. Who would do that? Oh, my friend, listen, it's not stupid. It's sly. It's deceitful. And here it comes. Get ready. When your kids are talking to you or your grandkids are talking to you about something, man, I've been reading about these RFID chips. I'm going to get one of those chips. If I, can I get one of those chips? When I turn 18, can I get a chip? Can I get a chip? I want a chip. Everybody, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fashionable. So it'll be, it'll be the way that this one world leader can control humanity. Uh, it's also going to be sold as, as, as a, it's going to be, can people be convinced But it's a good idea because, you know, in our day and age, people cross borders a lot, Okay, In fact, here in America, we've got people crossing the border to the south who are not supposed to be here. And so they're coming in. We can't track them. Well, you can track them if everybody in the world has one of these. And then you've got got, uh, civil wars, and people are forced, refugees are forced to go across the border into another nation. They don't have any papers. They don't have any identification. Guess what? They got a chip so we can keep track of it. Sherry, I want you come to the piano? Because I'm, I'm. If you don't, I'm just going to keep preaching through noon. Because I got a lot to say, and I got, to, I need to stop for next week. So if you'll come up here, then it'll, it'll encourage me to stop, or maybe not. <clears throat> All right, a couple of other things. This one world leader is going to be. He's going to have uh, not only, not only the economic answers, and he will be contr- be able to control the economics of the world. He will be able to control. Um, the religions of the world, because it's going to be one world religion, one world religion. You say, well, how can that ever be? There's a billion Catholics, a billion Muslims. They'll never see eye to eye. Oh, contrary, my friend. You realize that the Pope has already been meeting with imams, Muslim imams. You realize the Pope has already made statements about ecumenicism and the fact that we are all brothers and we have one God and we're all brothers. We and our Muslim friends are brothers tell you it's getting it's getting there we're open the door's opening the door is opening so the antichrist will have this one guy that we know of as the false prophet he will be a religious leader but his main goal his main goal is to get people to serve the antichrist that'll be his main thrust the world will actually worship this man he will force it on them so you've got the one world religion Uh, one world monetary system which the the EU if you study what the uh, European Union is doing now they've erased their borders 20 something nations no longer have borders, well they're still there but but if you have uh, papers that indicate you're a member of the EU you can go from nation to nation just like that, no problem Um, they already have the currency called the euro and, and all those nations they've now given up their currency and they're using the EU currency so as easy as that was to enact in Europe it'll be the same way worldwide we'll no longer have dollars and yen and, 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 and uh, um, we'll start started to say tacos but it's well, pe- pesos, you know where my mind is ready pesos and all that kind of thing no longer will have one world monetary system, one world government and, and one world religion under this trinity let me show it to you real quickly you know Satan has a counterfeit for everything God does he has a counterfeit trinity It's demonic. Satan would attempt to take the place of God and have all worship him. to take the place of the Father. The Antichrist would would try to take the place of Christ. He's opposed to Him. He wants to be in the place of Him. And finally, the, the false prophet would take the place of the Holy Spirit in, in encouraging people to worship the beast. See? He'll do so through world religions, religions of the world. It's not, it's not so hard to pull all the religions of the world together once Christianity's gone right raptures occurred no christians so with the church gone all the world religions will come together and we're going to see it happen i'm telling you the good news is you and i are in heaven with the lord jesus and we're celebrating and getting our rewards and being blessed it'll be a marvelous time he's not appointed us to wrath we're his bride we're his church he purchased with his own blood come on that ought to make you happy stand please everybody i have taken a lot of time this morning thank you for being patient Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We lift our hearts and our voices to you this morning, God. We lift, our, we lift our, our, our 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 hands in your presence, God. Hallelujah. We bless you right now, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're wonderful, mighty, greatly to be praised, Lord. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 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 To God. And I know that um, if things don't change, I'm going to I'm going to miss the rapture. I'm not going to be ready when he comes. And so, so Lord, I need desperately salvation. I desperately need to be born again. If that's you, you're, you're here in this room or you're listening to me um, on, on our media platforms, one of those, and you're, you're, you're paying attention here, but you know that things are not right with God and you need salvation. You need to be saved. I wonder if you'd just take a moment, slip your hand in the air. By doing so, you would say, this would be an indication. You're saying, Pastor, remember me. I need the Lord. I need to be saved. If that's in your heart, just raise your hand anywhere in this room. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. I see it. Yeah, just put your hand down if you like. up and down. I see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. I wonder if you raised your hand a moment ago. I wonder if you'd come and meet me at the front of this auditorium this morning. I'd love to meet you and pray with you and and help you. And there's some folks who'll come and pray with me this morning. If that's you, would you just take a moment, come out of your seat and come and join me. Would you do that? Thank you so much. Amen. Here comes one. Amen. Comes another. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Sherry, why don't you just sing that chorus that you're leading? Would you just sing that? What a wonderful name it is—the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Christ my King Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we love the Lord, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's vital to understand what's happening around us and what's about to happen in the near future, the distant future. Um, I wish you'd just pray with me about that. And during the week, you know, just lift up a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning and, and, and share with somebody. Let someone know, a friend or someone know, uh, that, uh, that, that they pick up some really good stuff on these videos, okay? Amen. I want to pray with those this morning. You lifted your hand, perhaps you did not come front forward that's okay we totally understand but I want to pray with you And everybody would you just say this prayer with me out loud and I believe that if we all say it then the people who are in need of God when they say it I believe God's going to hear them and their lives are going to be changed so let's say it together say, dear God I thank you now that Jesus died in my place I confess that he is my Lord and that you raised him from the dead so I can have eternal life receive me Lord as your child and teach me about the end times teach me all of the scripture as I apply myself as I study to show myself approved I thank you for it in Jesus name amen 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 let's give God praise right now this morning amen for those that prayed that prayer thank you Lord amen thank you Lord Thank you, Lord, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright. Let's, let's raise our right hand for the blessing of the day. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, giving you his peace. May angels go before you. Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.